Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. I saw Back to the Future, and the car ran on banana peels in a thing called Mr. Fusion. So where are our fusion reactors? I heard we figured something out, right? Confused? Don't be. Let's help you know a little more about nuclear fusion. To solve everything, we need more cheap, clean energy. Yes, there's wind and solar, geothermal, lots of other options. But one dream that physicists particularly love is harnessing the power of nuclear fusion. Nuclear fusion is the process of combining two atoms, just shove them together. If the atoms are light enough, the process releases energy. That's called an exothermic reaction. Now, if the atoms are heavy, you can still do fusion, but the process actually retains energy. That's called endothermic. Exothermic means the energy goes out. Endothermic means the energy stays in. So if you want to generate power, you need an exothermic reaction. So you need those lighter elements to be fused. And for an exothermic reaction to fuse light elements, that's what most people mean when they refer to fusion power. All right. So to understand how this is possible, you need to understand two nuclear forces, okay? There are two particularly important to understanding why nuclear fusion of light elements makes power. The nucleus of an atom is made of protons and sometimes neutrons. Neutrons aren't always there, but protons and neutrons, that's what makes up an atom's nucleus. The electrons are all floating out there in their shells. The force that keeps protons and neutrons bound together is called, creatively enough, the nuclear force. Now, there's another force going on called the Coulomb force, spelled C-O-U-L-O-M-B. It is not named after Colombo. I was very disappointed to discover, but rather after a French physicist called Charles-Augustin de Coulomb, who published three reports on electric and magnetism in 1785. In those reports, he stated Coulomb's law. He put it in French, but here's the English translation. The repulsive force that the two balls that were electrified with the same kind of electricity exert on each other follows the inverse proportion of the square of the distance. Basically, what he said was the force derives from the charges in two things multiplied by each other and gets stronger the closer they are. He just did all the math to help you determine exactly how much that is. So the nuclear force 
keeps neutrons and protons together in the nucleus, but Monsieur Coulomb's force repels like charges. Protons are positively charged, so they normally will repel each other because of the Coulomb force. If you keep protons close together in a nucleus, though, the nuclear force will keep them together, but pull them apart, and the Coulomb force will cause them to split apart. In elements smaller than iron and nickel, there aren't that many protons. Uh, So when you push two nuclei together, the protons will resist, but since there aren't that many of them, they can get close enough that the nuclear force can overcome the Coulomb force. If you have too many protons, you just can't get them close enough. In fact, when you do that, if you successfully do that, there's more nuclear force than you need. So some of it gets released as energy. Boom! Fusion power. This is actually how the sun generates energy. It fuses together hydrogen atoms, which have one proton, and turns them into helium, which has two protons. Now, the nuclear force is short range. The Coulomb force is essentially infinite range. So it takes a lot of energy to get two hydrogen atoms close enough that their nuclei are so near that the nuclear force can overcome the Coulomb force and fuse them together. It's worth figuring out how to do that because more energy is released as a result of that fusion than it takes to get the two atoms close together. It takes a lot to get them together, but you get more out of it than it took to get them together. Given the right conditions, that extra energy can be used to force other hydrogen atoms into each other, and so on and so on in a sustained reaction. That's what's going on in the sun, essentially. I'm oversimplifying astronomers, I know, but there's enough hydrogen in the sun that it can keep going for around 5 billion years. Great. So we just need to recreate the conditions of the sun. And we don't even need it to go for 5 billion years worth of energy. So it could be a much smaller sun, which is probably smart since a big sun would cause all kinds of other problems. The biggest obstacle is how to get that reaction going. How do you get started? Well, what'd the sun do? Hmm. Well, the sun collapsed a giant cloud of spinning dust under its own gravity. That's hard to replicate, especially without destroying the Earth. But it's a tough problem that's worth exploring. Why is it worth exploring so much? I mean, I know we get more energy out than we put in, but what's the big deal? We have all these other options. Well, fusion does not emit many byproducts. It does not emit any carbon dioxide. It has a lot fewer downsides than its opposite, nuclear fission. Fission power, the one that we have in nuclear reactors now, works by splitting atoms apart to release energy. That releases a lot of radioactivity and radioactive waste, because when you pull apart those protons, a lot of other stuff leaves with it. Fusion generates much less radioactivity and very little nuclear waste, because you're pushing things together, not pulling them apart. Come on, people now. Smile on your protons. Everybody get together. Try to create fusion reactions right now. Anyway, you push them together, you end up with some helium, but that's kind of about it. And the fuel is really easy to get. The whole planet, I don't know if you know this, is covered in hydrogen. Now, a lot of it is bound up with oxygen in the form of water, but we'll figure that out because we don't need that much of it. 
Fusion fuel is energy dense. A cup of hydrogen could potentially power a house for 100 years. So this is worth doing. All right, great. How do we do it? Well, like I said, the big obstacles, how do you get it going? You need temperature, you need pressure, and you need them for enough time. You need duration to get that reaction going. Once you get it going, then, of course, the next obstacle is keep it going, sustaining it long enough to generate enough power to start other reactions. The challenge with sustaining the reaction is those pesky neutrons released in fusion because they will degrade your equipment, uh, the equipment you're using to make the fusion happen, and the ways we have found to create the energy to ignite the fusion sometimes destroy the equipment in the process. So little things like that, but we're making progress. There are two main approaches that folks are working on right now, the tokamak design and the internal confinement fusion or ICF design. Uh, there's a couple others, though. There's magnetized target fusion and inertial electrostatic confinement. Uh, but the majority of the work right now is being done on tokamak or ICF. So I'm going to focus on those. The tokamak uses a magnetic field to confine hydrogen plasma in a torus shape. A torus is a donut shape, an American donut, the kind of donut with a hole in it. It's donut power. Homer Simpson, by rights, should have worked at a fusion reactor, but I digress. Essentially, in a tokamak reactor, a set of magnetic coils on the long way around the donut, and a central magnet, a solenoid to be precise, on the short way around, create opposing fields that result in a twisted magnetic field that confines that hydrogen plasma enough that it fuses and creates energy. All right, internal confinement fusion, or ICF, puts hydrogen in a pellet about the size of a pinhead. The outside, so it's real small, the outside of the pellet is bombarded with high energy beams. So it could be photons in the form of a laser, uh, it could be an electron beam or an ion beam. Most ICF reactors these days are using lasers. The beam heats the outside of the pellet enough that it explodes, both outwards, but also accelerating inward, compressing the hydrogen with shock waves and triggering fusion. Okay, so we've got some ideas. Let's give a progress report. How long have we been working on this? A long time. The first patent for a fusion reactor was registered in 1946 by the United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority. And fusion ignition was first achieved just a few years later, in 1952. That's just six years later. That's a good pace, right? Just a couple snags. One, it used nuclear fission to start the reaction, so that kind of negated the benefits of using fusion over fission. And two, it was sort of a bomb. So it just kind of blew things up rather than actually powering anything. The bomb was called Ivy Mike, though, so that was cute. Much more useful for power generation was the first controlled fusion reaction using the Sila machine, the Sila-1, S-C-Y-L-L-A, at Los Alamos National Laboratory. That happened in 1958. It technically created fusion, but not for long, not efficiently, and certainly not at scale. And the story kind of stays there with very small progress for decades. Fusion is always just a few years off. There's always a little progress. That's going to bring us to the mid-2000s 
and we get momentum around tokamak and ICF designs. So that catches us up to now. The biggest tokamak project is ETER, spelled I-T-E-R. It's an intergovernmental organization created in 2007 by China, Europe, India, Japan, Korea, Russia, and the United States. It began construction of a reactor site in 2013, and the tokamak itself was begun in 2020. It is expected to conduct its first experimental reaction in 2025. Another tokamak reactor, however, is already up and running. On December 21st, 2021, scientists at the Joint European Taurus, aka JET, in the UK, generated a record 59 megajoules over the course of five seconds by fusion, the most ever generated to that point. However, it was not putting out more energy than they put into the pellet. Energy gain is what scientists began to look for. When can you say you got more energy out than you put in? That's energy gain. And that's essential for this to actually be an energy source, not just an energy drain. Well, I have good news. On December 14th, 2022, scientists from the National Ignition Facility at Lawrence Livermore Labs in Livermore, California, announced that for the first time, they had developed a fusion reaction that produced more energy than it took in. They achieved energy gain. They did it. The National Ignition Facility used what they call the world's biggest laser focused on a cylindrical device with a capsule about the size of a pea that they had designed with computer models to optimize that reaction. That's how they were able to eke out this energy gain. That capsule was filled with isotopes of hydrogen, so deuterium, tritium. Laser beams heated the capsule contents into a plasma that fused the atoms into helium and released energy and neutrons. We'll get to those in a second. At 1.03 a.m. on December 5th, the process was able to produce 3.15 megajoules of energy, 50% more than the 2.05 megajoules delivered by the 192 laser beams. About the same energy used by a hairdryer running for 15 minutes, but compressed into a millionth of a second. Still, that's only 1.1 megajoules. It's enough to boil water in a couple of kettles. But we did it. Energy gain. We're there, right? No. The experiment produced more energy than went into the experiment. But that's not the same as producing more energy than was used overall. The lasers are very inefficient. It took more than 300 megajoules of energy to create the 2.05 megajoules that the lasers put out. So, the experiment only took in 2.05 megajoules and put out more energy than that. So it is energy gain, but to get the lasers to send the 2.05 megajoules took 300 megajoules. This is still scientifically important because we've shown that if we had a perfectly efficient input, fusion can generate net positive energy. We have a way of doing it. It's not a practical demonstration of a reactor we could use today, of course, to do that, we're going to have to see if we can repeat the process using more energy-efficient lasers. Good news is there are more energy-efficient lasers out there. There are other practicalities to overcome as well. Uh, this was one short reaction that destroyed the capsule and the sensors around it. Remember those stray neutrons? Yeah, those and the exploding capsule did play a little havoc with the equipment. 
so to be commercially viable, a fusion reactor needs to create multiple ignitions per minute without destroying everything nearby. Something of a trick when each ignition is designed to crush and obliterate your fuel capsule into helium. However, we can do it if we can afford it. The other thing is it's still pricey. Like if you have to ask, you can't afford it pricey. It costs a few billion dollars. At a press conference, Kim Budil, who's the director of Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, said, we need the private sector to get in the game. It's really important that there has been this incredible amount of U.S. public dollars going into this breakthrough. But all of the steps that we'll take that will be necessary to get this to the commercial level will still require public research and private research. In other words, come on, folks. Uh, we showed we can do it. Now we need innovation. Uh, there are private companies working out, out there, uh, dozens of them, Tokamak Energy in the UK, Commonwealth Fusion Systems, which spun out of MIT, and more. So, nuclear fusion, it's just a few years down the road. In other words, I hope you know a little more about nuclear fusion. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Marketers and business owners, you've been pining after a certain someone. Your job's on the line. You're desperate for them to like you back. Here's a word of advice from me. Talking is hot. Just you and them, finally alone, like us two right now. Maybe under the duvet, headphones on, one-on-one. -on -one. Podcast advertising is proven to be one of the best ways to catch their attention. So surprise them while they're tuned in, while the moment's right. Say a line or two that really gets them going. Next time, if you want to win over your special someone and build some brand love, experiment with something new. Just focus on your voice. Advertise on more than 100,000 podcast shows with Acast. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started.